friends. We have a very special episode today. I sound like an after-school special, don't I? It is Carl the Intern Middleman's 30-year anniversary. In St. Louis Radio. So, congratulations, Carl. Thank you. We have a special guest, my good friend, Maximilian Foisy. Hi, Max. Celebrating 23 years in radio. So, I'm not quite there yet. (laughs) Close. But, close. Uh, You know what? I want to thank Lynn Vanhouse for inviting me. And I will say, I was privy to the amazing master list of names that she wanted to bring in here Uh to sit in studio to be the special guest. And since none of them could do it, I'm here. (laughs) And and that is a completely honest, true story. There were so many amazing names that could have been sitting here that I was like, oh, Lynn, how about you go for this person? And there were great ideas. And guess what? You got me. So I apologize. You were you were top on the list because uh, if you <laughs> I don't was not top on the yeah, list. No, you were. And in <laughs> if you do if you don't know by now, Carl and Max are on Max on movies. Yes, on, on, on KTRS Saturday evenings. That's right. We need to actually get together and do another well, couple we can, of We've movies. been trying to get together to do this interview with our friend yes, for the ninth time. Ian Desher, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which but will the, the circle will be complete at that point. With books, uh the publishers aren't like going into their offices and not checking their emails. No, this is definitely has to be from Ian. He has to make sure he goes, okay, fine. These two, I mean, Again. we're sort of all best pals by now. Uh, but yes, that has to happen. But I want to have you back in because now that I'm actually watching movies again, we right. can we can do more of uh, the show. We'll start it off with Carl Fest celebrating my 30 years of being in commercial radio. Then around minute 20, Broken Hearts Gallery. Around minute 29, Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President. Around minute 48, Rent-A-Pal. Around minute 58, we'll preview Class Action Park and The Doorman. Around one hour and one minute, Measure for Measure, the new Shakespeare adaptation. Then I'm thinking of ending things around one hour and nine minutes. Then around one hour and a half, Our Time Machine. And then one hour and 32 minutes, Where and When and Who We Are. Yeah, but thank you, Lynn, for having me. And Carl, sincerely, all joking aside, congratulations on 30 years. As you know, it is a rare feat in this industry to even work in radio for a year. So 30 years. (laughs) And get paid for it. Absolutely. And of course, the first nine months of my radio career, I was not getting paid for it. But I was getting college credit for it, which is probably much more than I was making once I started getting paid for it. And you're still an intern after all this time. 30 years an intern. I love it. 30 years working for no one. And I, that's right. That's like 30 years is like almost a half of a regular person's salary. I mean, you could pay off a house, 30 year mortgage. You could have, uh, I don't know. My house is actually (laughs) there you go next year. (laughs) So, so you started, um, as an intern, as an intern, Carl, the intern at SLU. But what was your first radio? Uh, Well, I did, I did uh, college radio at St. Louis university and I was actually the music director and I had to quit the music director to do my internship at the (laughs) big nine five. So on September 10th, 1990, I showed up. Actually, I came back from a trip to Florida with a whole bunch of high school friends. Uh, We drove back. They drove me to the radio station for my final interview. And I, of course we all, you know, had just been driving 16 hours from Panama city and so I took a quick shower and wore, I still have the shirt that I wore for my interview that day. And I was very nice to the receptionist, Pam, because she's, you need to be nice to the Absolutely. receptionist. Absolutely. And Pam worked there for a long time. And she, she actually gave me a good piece of advice because I, once I was started working there. Was it don't get into radio? Well, no, that's, that would have been much better. <laughs> yes. Um, 
she said, because I refuse to take vacation for a long time because when you're young and dumb, you think they can't do this without me. Yeah. And she said, you are, your hand is like holding a, holding the bottom of a bucket of water. If you remove <laughs> your hand, the water and the bucket are still there. <laughs> and I said, wow, you're right. And she said, and if they really miss you, they will really miss you. Which yeah, is true. Which is always good because I, similarly with me, I have a work ethic that was ingrained by my broadcasting father. And I always thought if I take vacation. The famous vacation, Rick Sanborn. Rick Sanborn. I always thought if I take vacation, they'll see that I can be replaced. Right. Uh, but actually. you're paranoid. Yes. And you think, well, that's it. I'll, I'll never uh, And radio is horrible. Back. And radio is horrible and backstabby or even frontstabby. But what I realized is when you leave and the other people possibly aren't as good as you at the right. job, then they actually do want you to come back. So and always that's, take that's your what vacation. Happened. That's how you came back to KTRS twice. Yes, that's right. Twice. That's right. Yeah. And you yourself and I as well. To, I, I You're back been, at uh, Intercom now. I have been laid off from uh, Keishi three times. And the first time I came back, it was, uh, Max had something to do with that. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny no, that because- was second, that was the second time. Th- yeah. The, the second time there was a bunch of firings. Carl was among them. And those are always very sad days in radio because they're <laughs> your friends and your colleagues. Um, but the right hand did not know what the left hand was doing. Exactly. And of course, Carl and I were still doing a lot of movie show stuff. And, and uh, so when he was like, oh, um, I called Carl and I said, uh, let me know if there is anything that I can do. And he said, get me a job at KFTK. And you, I, you have a job. You and, have a job yeah. at your place right now. And I said, done. And, and I went and nobody, in, I talked to, <laughs> nobody, I talked to, nobody had any idea. Hey, they didn't I talked tell to Jeff anybody. Allen yeah. and, I, and I said, by the way, they just blew out Carl. Um, I need somebody over here for the morning show. And he was like, done. And we got him back in, in like three days or something. And well, the <laughs> thing was, I, I went on vacation. I'm like, you know what? I will, I'll take my vacation. Yeah. I will answer when I get back. Yeah. Well, it does, as I've known for many, many, many years, I never had to apply for a job. I always got calls. Well, and I think well. In, well, I mean, I'm, that doesn't sound. But, but um, wow, what I'm saying. Wow, throwing the hammer down. Lynn <laughs> coming in here like, uh, well, I tell you gentlemen something. No, I, Let me I, tell I you how it should I be. I didn't even, that just sounded horrible. By the but way, I'm, saying, I'm a queen. No, but what I'm saying is they it really helps to know. It really helps to not burn bridges. Right. And it really helps. Oh, St. Louis is a small fraternity. Yes. And therefore, you see the same people often at jobs that, that you've worked with somewhere else and everybody got let go and then you got, you know. I worked with John Carney in 1998. I'm working with John Carney in 2020. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, what I meant to, that's what I meant to say. It really is important to keep those relationships and keep up. And I've tried to help people with jobs just like people help me out with right. jobs. As you should. Yes. And the first time, uh, just FYI, when, uh, when Max said his dad was Rick Sand board okay so i covered radio for a st louis journalism review for about love that column four or five years thank you and 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 uh who did it before you Was uh, it Cliff? La- uh, uh, uh larry hoffman larry hoffman he did a long time. Yes, and he's the one that recommended me for mm-hmm. it because I was doing Radio Digest for a brief time, and mm-hmm. then they went belly up. But see, th- that th- that was all. That was it. Was like the Jerry Berger yeah. of radio. We need that again. I think I'm I'm a, I'm a little surprised. I mean, I know there's like I love uh, doing message it. boards and stuff, but we need to have an actual like weekly column. I think that'd be great. There aren't enough people in it to. Well, there aren't yeah. enough. Well, most, um, stories, most yeah. stations have only five people working. For well, them. what you do is you make it kind of like magnetic poetry. 
and you just move the names around when somebody's <laughs> fired or hired. You just move the same names around. I know, but no, I love doing that. And that's how I got to know a lot of the radio guys. Mm-hmm. And so when Max said his dad was Rick Sanborn, um, I had seen his dad at screenings many, many times, and I thought, that looks like Rick Sanborn, but that's Max's is. dad. <laughs> oh, well, that's funny. That's funny. I didn't, like, you know, yeah. I was like, he looks like Rick Sanborn. But anyway, Boy, Max's so that dad was looks my... just like that radio guy. <laughs> That yeah, was that, like my him. my brain thinks. <laughs> but I remember the first time I met Carl, yeah. he and I got into the St. Louis Film Critics Association. JC got me in. Yeah, and yes. me too. Yeah. Vetted. We were vetted. We were at the same time. I wasn't even asked. They just told me, hey, JC's like, I got you in. I'm like, nice. Oh, okay. So that, I didn't that's even... the Lynn Venhouse version of... Uh, uh, it, not, it is. It is. It finally worked for you. That's great. The one time I didn't ask to be in. And but then, now you're on the board and everything. Uh, yeah. And so what's, <laughs> what's so funny is, so uh, I didn't even know. I had applied before, but uh, my paper didn't have the internet at the time. And they said, you have to be on the internet. So then I did. And then JC got, you know, mm-hmm. uh, recommended me. Yeah, he was in so the group. So I get an invitation to go to the year-end nominations meeting. I didn't oh, even know I was in one. Was this at Blueberry Hill? Was yes. it your first one? Yes. yes. That was this, a raucous one, this, too. I remember You that. need to see more movies. Yeah. I didn't even know. I was already in the group, just that, so everybody yeah, knows. Yeah, I remember. And it was really, really <laughs> You were max on movies. And my son, Tim, got in, too, because he did reviews for our newspaper. So I I knew Tom O'Keefe, and I knew uh, Lori Mack. And Mm -hmm. so Carl's sitting with them. So Tim and I walk in, and I immediately go over to them. Didn't we ride together that day, Max? We probably did. And you know what? You bring up a good point. I didn't have the movie show yet. I was writing for the websites. I was writing for for The Point and uh, a station called Red that's not even around anymore. 1041 Red. Yeah, and I was writing for... uh, But writing for The Point was fun because then I could go on the morning show on The Point and talk about the movies and stuff. Who was the morning show? Was that Jeff, Tom, and Trish, or was it... It, it couldn't have been Howard. It was, I think it was Jeff, Tom, and Trish in the last days before Woody came on. Okay. And then, no, because no, Howard was in there too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, I wonder, because after Howard, you had, they had Rover's Morning Glory. Mo- Rover's Morning Glory. Which was awful, yeah. yeah. But I, I was on with Woody once and then Rizzuto a couple times. Okay. Uh, but anyway, point is, I hadn't had the Max and Movie Show yeah. kick off yet. That because was 2006, they had, their, they had a syndicated show. Yes, they did. Well, they had uh, uh, Mike and, and Max on the movies, which was Max Weiss and Mike Mayo. She, yeah, she, Max was a she. Yes, Max was a she. And so Mike, Mike Mayo used to do the hits on the... Glover show back then when you were producing it when I was producing it and uh, eventually uh, Dave would have me go on to kind of argue if you would like a Siskel Nieber type thing with uh, Mike and then Mike Mayo God love him um, when Max Weiss went on vacation, had me on his show, the syndicated uh, Mike and Max. Because on, he had an, just another Max. And I, that was the joke that I made is you can only have guest hosts that are that are Max. And then after that, we dropped him from syndication and I took over for the Max movie show. So whoops. But thank you, and, Mike and Mayo. That was like nice an, of you. Wasn't there an awkward day, his last hit? Uh, I Boy, my recollection is foggy. I never wanted to fight with the man. I think that... No, no, um, I think uh, they say he, he went on the air and said... Uh, uh, this is my last weekend at uh, KFTK. And then Dave said, Dave threw you under the bus. Yeah, Max is taking over for yeah, you. Yeah, there, yeah, there was. There was. But um, And but then I it was am, like silence. I am very happy that I had that. And the show's still on the air. It's, it uh, is. We're over on KTRS, but it's been on since 2006. And it's on the, it's on the iTunes. So, and and uh, SoundCloud and all that. But anyway, uh, taking away from Lynn's story, mm. 
I was already in the group. We had a very different uh, makeup of people back then. A lot of weirdos. um, That year-end meeting would stretch for a legendary five or six hours. I'm not exaggerating. It was awful. And this was at Blueberry Hill. We would all eat, we would drink, and we would argue. Yes. And this is it was so disorganized. And so I'm <laughs> sorry it was it because, was because I think, of I think the Reardon was there too back then, wasn't he? Uh, was I, he in town? He, he, I don't know if Reardon was actually maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe he wasn't a member yet. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. Well, in okay, so it was December Don't do drugs, kids. Your memory goes. <laughs> it was a, it was 2008. Mhm. And we, I could tell Carl and Lori and Tom and I and Tim, we were all nervous. Yeah, JC didn't show. We didn't know. Oh, no, he did. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to tell that story. Yeah, he did. So, oh, he showed so up late. then uh, uh, we were all nervous because we had no idea and we didn't know anybody. And I did Why know Joe Pollock. Here? And I did. Um, I was going to get I love the fact that Joe Pollock was there. Yes. I love that. I'm like, Joe Pollock is here and he brought wine. That's yeah. right. He did bring yeah. one. Mm-hmm. And so I think I took some home. Anyway, uh, he uh, that was when I had just gotten laid off at my newspaper job and I had time for daytime screenings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the News Democrat picked me up. And uh, so I was just about to start that. So when we had to go around and introduce ourselves, I said that. And I remember Joe Pollock going, oh, good. You know, meaning that I got on another the daily, print person. Uh, yeah, I got on the daily newspaper. But we were cramped into this tiny room. Um, and we it were, was was it the Simpsons room? It I, was. Yeah. The big collectible room. I remember the Simpsons being on the wall. Lots of. Different but I don't think that room exists anymore. I don't think <laughs> it does. And we, and we were so we were so cramped and and. Uh, we were all were introducing ourselves, and then uh, Car- Carol, who used to be at the Webster Kirkwood Times, she, she was on the board. She was like the treasurer. Because nobody knew, and w- we took over, and that was when we used to have to just do the vote by hand, mm-hmm. and we would raise our she hand. She had to count everybody. And then she just took it over, like, she's just counting. It wasn't even voting by hand. It was arguing your, your point of view first, and then voting. So if somebody said, what do you think about best actress? I would have to say, here's why Kara Knightley, and then go off for like 20 minutes. I mean, it was ridiculous. Filibuster. Oh, I know. Well, uh, <laughs> when, when uh, Joe Williams... Nominated because we all had to nominate people. That's yes. how it was. You're like right. we nominated the because Senate, I remember seconded. I remember David <laughs> Craig uh, putting raising his hand and going, "I nominate Opie Taylor for for Frost Nixon." You know, and we all knew what he ha, meant. Ha, ha, ha. And then uh, Dark Knight, we were voting for Dark Knight because that was 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Tim, my son, he was like big indie. Um, he loved Sam Rockwell. He kept nominating him for like Snow Angels, and people were looking at him like, okay. Oh, kid. I'm sure those weren't the weirdest nominations <laughs> no, that day. No. But I remember Joe Williams nominated. Here's okay. Well, here's oh, oh. one of our guests. Oh, hello, special guests. Guest. Hello, hello, special guest. T- hello, Tom. I'm going You're to put on you air. on the uh, microphone. Okay. Thirty years in broadcasting. Yeah. Carl Middleman. Brought in by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Do I have to t- put it Just on speakerphone? Speaker? Yeah. Okay. That's it. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Who is this caller? Today's first star of the game, celebrating. <gasps> it's Tommy Calhoun. Lewis Radio. Carl the Intern. Thank you, Thomas. I haven't seen Tom since March <laughs> because we work at the St. Louis Blues together. Thank you, sir. Uh, we haven't seen each other since March since we work at the St. Louis Blues together. And uh, the week before St. Patrick's Day was the last day that we uh, had a game. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. And 
I've been lucky, uh, at least during the bubble games, I, uh, I went on social media and did a few soul, uh, goal calls then, and uh, people seemed to appreciate that experience. But uh, but I really missed it. I, I know you have too, probably, Carl. It's, Absolutely. It's uh, been a big void in my life. Yeah, I've worked with Tom now for 24 years. Wow. Next year will be my 25th year with the Blues, but Tom's been doing Very it cool. since it was at the old barn. Yeah, yeah, back in 87 is when I started, so it's been quite a major part of my life. 33 years for Tom, and he's not missed a single game, and he actually has one bonus game because he did an away game uh, when we went to Sweden. Hmm. Yeah, in Stockholm, I did a Detroit Red Wings home game. Uh, of course, the Blues had a home game over there as well, but uh, I was the only PA guy that made the trip, so I got to do both a, a Blues home game and a Red Wings home game while we were there. And you're not we're not counting the bubble against any of this, though, Tom. <laughs> the bubble doesn't count. I've, I've said uh, this is a situation out of my control. I could have gone had I been asked, so I'm not counting that against the streak at all. Good. Well, good. I bet your wife doesn't know what to do with you at home all these uh, nights. Oh, yes, she does. She says, go do this, go do that. <laughs> yep. So I've, got, I've got plenty to do around the house. but uh, And my son just bought a new house, so I'm helping him get moved in and uh, get things straightened up there. But, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, domestic-type stuff. Yeah, it is the strangest year. But I thought it would be good to hear your voice because I know blues fans probably really miss it. I do. And why do I just well, want to hear Gloria? No. Nope, Gloria's been retired. What were you going to say, Tom? As a matter of fact, guys, I was just, uh, before I called you, I was just uh, practicing the piano. I, I used to play the accordion when I was a kid, and I decided since I've got some time that I was going to uh, take some piano lessons. So I'm going to try to be more musical in my, uh, in my later years. You know, I'm going to sit down at a keyboard and make something actually happen. Uh-huh. I love that, Tom. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, listen, thanks, Tom, for calling in, and we uh, look forward to hearing you again next year. Tom and I talked to him. About... Thanks, uh, thanks, Lynn, for the invite, and congratulations again, Carl. Thank you, Tom. Tom and I talked about three weeks ago about something very blues-related that made, it, made both of us very happy. <laughs> and that's all I can say about that. <laughs> Tease a tease. All right. Well, you have a good day and tell Barb hi. Will do. Thanks, Bye, Thomas. That was, so that was nice. very cool. Very nice. Oh, I thought that Tom Calhoun. He's the best. I thought that would be fun to hear his voice. It is. And I, I love Tom. He's a good man. And his son Mike is nice, too. No, that is not. Michael Calhoun is now, no relation to Tom Calhoun. That, next, you're going to tell me Dan Buck's not related to Jack Buck and Julie 100% Buck. correct. Oh, I know, I know that. You knew that already. I, I did know that. But now, Michael Calhoun from KMOX is not related to Tom Calhoun. I have been bamboozled. I thought so too. I'm like, yeah. hey, I, I even said that. To I mean, KMOX and the whole media—they just made right. sense. They're so. not—they're re- not related at all. Wow. And because I, I said, I said, uh, Tom and I and his wife and my wife were at a cup party, and I said, hey, I'm going to go see your son later, and he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> amazing. That's yeah. amazing. A lot of people do. And you know what? He doesn't mind. I mean, that's like Dan and Buck. Michael I mean, care. right? Yeah. Dan, Dan Dan has Dan said, came, "Wow, St. Louis loves me because they think I'm a part of this family." I'm not. Right. And that's he, just he you came know. from elsewhere. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Tom's sons, because I've done several articles on him, are Ian and Stuart. Ian and Stewart. St- and Stuart yeah. lives in San Diego, yeah. 
And uh, I thought Ian lived in Colorado, but it sounds like he moved back home. As much as I am enjoying the 30-year celebration for Carl Middleman, I do know that people who listen to the podcast, and they love Carl as well, that they might want to hear something about movies. Let's do it. Let's do it. And we've got a bunch between the three of us. We have a lot. Let's talk about the uh, major release going on this weekend. It is called... The Broken Hearts Gallery. And it is only in theaters. Only in theaters. Um, this stars uh, two... Well, they're, they're, it's, it is an empowering sex-positive movie for young women. But it is PG-13. Okay. So well, girls I don't know if a, I'd let my 13-year-old watch this movie. It kind of reminds I me a bit of like a Booksmart type but thing. But Booksmart That's was very, rated R. R exactly. But and, very, very sex-positive. And, and AAA from Booksmart is in this movie oh. as the best friend of our lead. When we did our Zoom meeting for the St. Louis Film Critics, we talked about some movies that would be only in theaters. And of mm-hmm. course, Russell Crowe's Unhinged was one of the very first oh. ones. And then Broken Hearts Gallery was another one that Pete from Allied told us he about. He said, we need to see this movie because yeah. it's cute little indie. Yeah, it's go. not It's not little indie. It's TriStar. Uh, well, I will say this. Girls of that generation are very frank when they talk about sex. Mm-hmm. Which is fine with me. I don't care. But uh, that is why they have the PG-13 rating. And also, Philippe Sue. Yeah, from oh, Hamilton. Yes. She, is, she plays is, the lesbian best friend. She's wonderful. So I, Molly man, Gordon. She killed Molly me Gordon, in Hamilton. She's amazing. Molly Gordon from Booksmart is the best friend. And Philippe Sue is the other best friend. But our lead is Geraldine, sorry, Geraldine Viswanathan from Cockblockers. Okay. And bad education. She played the reporter who yes, broke the story. She did. She did. She was very good in that movie. With my and friend I, Larry Romano and Ray Romano. And I thought, oh, she's really good. And then now she's in this. She is delightful. She's very funny. She is a very quirky. Well, she lead was funny for, in Blockers for a romantic comedy. She just has Which those. Which was eyes. also very sex positive yes. for teenagers. Yes. Right. She has a very expressive face. Yes. And it's she's just funny. Is she going to be a uh, Samara Weaving type who in five years will have a breakout role and everybody will say, where'd she come from? But she did all this string exactly. of indies. Because that's kind of how she well, is Bad too. Education was huge on HBO. Yes, with yes it was. Which I, is, I still hear people talking about it now, yeah. Which uh, I, would like great. To, I would like to interject. Corey Finley of St. Louis directed it, and I interviewed him. My story will be up on uh, poplifestl.com nice. today. Allison Janney is great in that And movie. Allison Janney. And I talked to Corey Finley about directing Hugh Jackman yeah. and Allison Janney, and guess what? Huh. They are not only lovely human beings, but he said they were super prepared. Well, and how do you direct Hugh Jackman loved. and just not fall in love with him? I've already right. fallen in love with him just from watching him for the last no, 20 years. But it's just so re- <laughs> it's reassuring to know that both of them yeah. are total pros, but also really nice people. And halfway through the movie, I noticed that our male lead is from Stranger Things. He's the he's uh, Billy, the bad ass oh, smoking guy. Yes, right. But he's got his hair cut and he looks normal and he's he doesn't have the red eyes yeah, like yeah, he did because yeah. he was so angry driving yeah. the Trans Am around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dacra so, Montgomery. Yeah. Um, actually, it's Dacre. Dacre. I looked it up. Okay, good. I'm sorry. Well, I'm glad you looked it up because it, yeah, that's why I think we n- n- none of us said his name because it's an interesting name. Right. Yeah, so. it, but it, he, looks he, like, he's, it looks like it looks like both of the leads are Australian and they're playing Americans. Huh. 
They are charming. But you know what's going to happen in this. It's very... It's a very charming rom com. Mm-hmm. It's refreshing. It's different. Suki it Waterhouse is, about, is in it too. Oh, oh like and Ber- uh, Bernadette Arturo Peters. Castro. Oh, Bernadette Peters is in four scenes, and like sh- they put her, they put her up at the top. Well, she because gets she's the name. Yeah, she's in musical theater. She's in four scenes. So I let's know. talk a bit about the plot here yeah, because I have, I, I, I have not seen it, and so I, I'm hearing it's sex positive. It's sort of like book smart, but tell me what happens. She in she's in New York, and she's a gallery assistant. And she's in love with uh, her boyfriend, Max. But she sees Max with... No, Max is a cad. Max is a cad and an opportunist who uh, falls back in love with his old ex and dumps her. And she gets wasted. She's supposed to introduce him at the art gallery. And so... She gets wasted beforehand. And, of course, uh, uh, Ego... uh, Ego... From uh, SNL. SNL. Yes, she... Puts it on Twitter. Oh, nice! <laughs> because they call she call they call her Harvard. That's all her name is. Because uh, she went to Harvard, and it like shows up in like every conversation. That that's that's kind of cute. Uh, his name is uh, it's Uktarsh and Budkar. So and he's the he was in Britney Runs a Marathon. Okay, which a lot of people like. That's an Amazon Prime or- original. Yes. And so, and then he works for Bernadette Peters. Bernadette Peters fi- fires her, and so she. She has, it's either a disorder, she might be a kleptomaniac, I don't know what's going on. Hoarder, hoarder. She she collects things from relationships, Mm. and so then she puts them on display. That's just sentimental. Yeah, so it's called I'm, a broken heart wasn't gallery. It based on a true story? Oh, I get it. Now it all falls into place. That's a fantastic title. So what she does is she now makes a plea, a public plea for things from people's relationships because this is a universal theme because everybody's been dumb absolutely and they have something that they don't know what to do i've got things in my closet that's for sure that's not bad and so <laughs> bodies so he, she wants space and this guy nick dacre montgomery has uh he's renovating a hotel the hotel chloe and uh she he gives her space but anyway so she takes I knew all that, these I people i knew that twist immediately yeah it's it's not okay it's pretty predictable sure it, it is but it's, it's very it sounds, charming it sounds very cute it sounds very charming i guess that my my main uh question is it's the well PG, written well the pg-13 rating yes. because as carl pointed out that doesn't necessarily mean it's you aimed need, at 13 year olds no it's not it's it's made for teenagers but like just like Booksmart was yeah. aimed at teenagers. Do but you think they could plus. have? Uh, they have one f bomb in there, of course, because it's PG thirteen. Do you remember when Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. did not want ET to be G rated? He was right. worried about the box office, worried about people thinking it was too babyfied, Guns. and so he added the line "penis breath," which right. doesn't even make any kind of sense. No. But they added it, and guess what? They got a, P- PG. a PG, mm-hmm. and of course, it worked, and it's universally loved. Everybody loves that 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 movie. Do you think in Broken Hearts Gallery? They should have maybe risen the rating to an R yes. with more language. Yes. Yeah, because it is a little bit. I would say a little I, and bit I love more the fact risque. That it's, okay, you know what? Let's let let's uh, let me pair it by saying this: my daughter, who is sixteen, going on seventeen. She is sixteen, going on. Seven. All right, that's anyway. ridiculous. By the way, that um, makes no sense to well, me. I'm, so I'm thirty years in radio. I, I know, but right. still, it's, so she saw sixteen candles for the first time last week. And she's like, that movie's dumb. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but, and she also said, Ugh. and she found the boyfriend gross. She 
related more to the nerds in the bathroom. Sure. Because, you know, those are those the are the geeks. masses. The well, the nowadays, geeks. the geeks have inherited everything. Well, so. right. But she, she thought the boyfriend in the convertible was disgusting and wow. cheesy and gross. But and and then I kept going long duck dong mm. and she's like yeah I didn't like that part of the story at all either and you realize sixteen candles that was PG yeah yeah that was PG and that's very I mean we've watched Goonies with Oscar because that's he's scary. he's only that's nine though. N- no that's just PG it is? and there is language and they have s bombs ah. and I mean he thinks it's hilarious but I'm like this kind of PG I mean mm-hmm. I was really surprised by that. The rating system makes no sense, and we'll, we'll talk no, about Moonlight right. later. The FPA no, is ridiculous. You're but right. this yeah. movie shouldn't be PG-13. Interesting. Lynn, do you yes. agree? But, but, but I, I would agree. A charming that. movie that is well worth watching. Yeah. Just maybe it's not cute. for a kid. Yeah, not for this a 13-year-old yeah. girl. This is Natalie Krinsky's first directorial effort, mm-hmm. and she wrote it too. But it was one of those scripts that was on the, quote, Hollywood blacklist. On oh, the blacklist. And sure. so, it, you know, it bounced around in that. But she wrote for many a, a, a good sitcom, a good uh, uh, show. So She's Canadian. She has that experience. Not a lot of Americans in this movie, except and, Bernadette Peters. And it's very snappy. And so at the art gallery, this Broken Hearts gallery exhibit, they have a bunch of suitcases together and they have the top open and that is where you put your baggage. Mm-hmm. So you write down something. To put. And I did pause it a couple times because they they do have like the whole texting thing and like people are writing down their, uh, what do you want to say to the universe? And they mm-hmm. have a lot of things there and it's, sure. it's, it's very, you know how the Simpsons yesterday had to rewind stuff Absolutely. just like this. And it is a total rom-com. It is, it is a rom-com. It sounds charming. It sounds like something I definitely want to watch, but I maybe wouldn't watch it with my kiddo. No. <laughs> no. It's definitely not reinventing the wheel, but well, it's she just... Wrote for, she wrote for Grey's Anatomy, and that makes so much sense. No. But it's very but she breezy. she wrote for Gossip Girl, too. Right. It's breezy. It's lighthearted. I think it was perfect. It was so refreshing. I turned it on, and I've been watching a lot of serious documentaries lately, and the world and it, is it, a very... It lets, you, it lets you think about something else. Yeah. Yeah, and the world's a very crazy place. So this was just refreshing, and it has a good soundtrack. It does, and it's shot very well, and the production values are fantastic. So I highly recommend this movie, nice. and I was very surprised at how much I liked it. Well, let let's talk about one of those documentaries right now, Jimmy Carter. Rock and roll president. When I think of Jimmy Carter, who was the president when I was born in 1978, mm-hmm. I don't think about a rock and roll president. I think poet. I think peanuts. Uh, no, you think uh, charity think, work. And I think gas lines. Exactly. I think, uh, well, they, they address, hostages. They address all of those things yeah. in this yes, movie. Camp David Accords. But he was really like, if you go back, all those other presidents. They were not of the age. He was hanging out with the Allman Brothers, and he was hanging Couldn't out. could you say that, though, a little bit about Kennedy because he was so no, young? No, he was hanging out with Frank Sinatra. Yeah, he mm. had Frank as as his theme song, High Hopes, sure. was Kennedy's theme song. Almost I, a precursor to Clinton with Don't Stop and Right, Mac. right. Exactly. But, well, but who knew? This was, to me, this was very surprising. I love him. This is such a good documentary. Uh, it does go through his four years, and it goes through his post 
humanitarian efforts and Habitat. the Nobel Peace Absolutely, Prize. Habitat. I mean, I, I grew and, up watching his post-presidential career because, of course, I was born when he was president. So I remember Reagan a lot more than I remember Carter. I remember him being a humanitarian, but I also remember his presidency not being well-regarded. No, Obviously, no. a one-termer, but, that never looks good. Well, no, well, this was right after the Watergate era, and this movie illuminates a lot of things, but these are the surprising things about this movie. Best friend... Willie Nelson. Yeah. He loves Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan loves him. And Bob Dylan's in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they got him like to. Like now? Yeah. yeah. They got him to be Amazing. in the movie. How do you convince Bob Dylan to do anything? He's oh, a, he's yeah. He's a nice wow. guy. And, and, uh, and <laughs> the Allman Brothers pretty much financed his well, presidential it's probably campaign. probably one of uh, Greg Allman's last interviews before he died, because he died two years ago. Yeah. He died yeah, in, uh, I think this was 2018. They put it together, but they probably did interview him a long time beforehand. So but is yeah, the, Greg Allman's in it. Is the idea behind the documentary to maybe reset the legacy yes. of Jimmy Carter? Because he... They it's even, not a very good legacy. They even go say. in and say, if it wasn't for the hostage crisis, he people would look at him a lot different. And Lynn just reviewed the documentary of Desert One about the failed rescue attempt. Yeah. And there are so many things that he did before that. that his it's tarn- his presidency is tarnished Certainly. by the hostage situation. <clears throat> Certainly, and yeah. they admit that. And they don't talk about the... Uh, because that's not what this film's about. They don't talk about... Uh, the, I mean, the I admire try, trying, rescue. yeah, and I admire uh, trying to attack the situation with diplomacy. I understand that Reagan's whole campaign was "I'm a hawk, we'll go in there," and blah blah blah. At least the same day. Yeah, I mean, I get all of that stuff, but um, but certainly, um, it's interesting to see this documentary trying to reclaim his legacy. I think it, it might be. Uh, past its its due date here because again well, when you think of jimmy carter you don't necessarily 90. have good things to think of but well i do think uh his post-presidency you do and yes, also that's how we got this reminds prize. you of decency what yes. a decent there humble are, man there he are was. a lot of republicans in this movie too uh mm. trisha yearwood and garth brooks who are country music very far right oh Wait here's, a here's minute. Oh, special oh, Earth, wind, and fire. We need a special, I love this. We have Spanish a special guest. guest. Hello. How are you? I know who this is. I know oh, who good. This is. I'm going to put I, you I on speaker. I okay. do. Here All we right. go. Okay. This is a voice. I, I feel like I'm, this is your life. Here we go. Let's open the book. Is there a Carl Middleman in the house? There is. Is this? This, this is your old pal, Laurie Maxine. Congratulations. How are you? Hi, Laura. How are you? It's good to see you. Well, not see you, but it's good to hear you. How are you doing? I'm well. I miss Lori Mack. Lori I Mack. also miss Lori Mack. Can I can I say hello to Lori Mack? It's Max Foisy. Hello, Lori Mack. Hello. I miss seeing her. The last thing, the last time I saw Lori was <laughs> she had to run get uh, Meredith Baxter some water. <laughs> 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 oh yes, yes, and I said, "Can you have a drink?" Not because of Meredith. Just, no, it you know. was it was a, it was a it was a rough day, and you were running around with your with your head cut off, like it was. And I said, "Do you need a drink?" And you said, "I'm going to have all the drinks later." Because. Well, congratulations to you. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I'm sorry that. 
live theater is not a thing right now. Ooh. I actually got a press release uh, from the rep, and I saw the return email was Lori Mack, and I was like, hey, it's my pal Lori. And so, yes, the, re- the the live theater will come back, I'm sure. And and Lori, I hope that you and Alan are both doing well, and I, I know that you guys will come back strong. Well, you're so sweet. Thank you. Well, yeah, Alan has lost job number eight. Oh. So hopefully soon we'll have this all fixed and we can all be together again and well i i miss you and i miss your face i miss you too and you kiss your girls and i will congratulations how long were you and carl on the air together at k hits Ooh. Oh, well she was there she started Matt. first and i helped uh actually the showgram anniversary was like last week Hold on a second. I actually have it in my. <laughs> I actually have it in my phone. It said Showgram debuted. Um, well, while Carl is looking that up, I'll say that we on the uh, on the Carney show had Alan on to talk about uh, um, Finnegan's Wake. I think was the uh, the play over at the Playhouse. Oh, at the Westport. Yes, yes, and it was like the last thing right before COVID, and it was so good to see Alan. It's always good to, to uh, see him. But uh, we were even saying, like, how long are you guys going to go because of this whole pandemic? And I know Alan was like, well, it's probably going to be fine. Everything's probably going to be fine. And, of course, you know, it wasn't. But uh, it was always good to see him. I know that uh, I know that uh, live theater will hopefully resurrect soon. September 16th, the show da- showgram debuted on 96.3. And I was uh, part-time on that. And then I was further part-time. And then I got full-time. Yeah. And then... Then we all got laid off. That's how I met you, actually. <laughs> you were on the showgram, yeah. Oh my! But I, I, I talked to our. Uh, I uh, talked to our friend James the other day. He's he's doing well. Yeah. He's doing okay. Well, Lori is in fact on vacation, so I really appreciate you. Oh, oh thank you. Oh wow. And uh, well, uh, Lori and her. Oh, thank you. Lori and her lovely husband Alan Noel are. The Lunt and Fontaine of the of the uh, <laughs> St. Louis Theater, I think, and and perhaps um, since uh, people wouldn't know that archaic reference, maybe I yeah, I, I didn't know what that was. They are the uh, who's like current uh, theater king and queen. Um, uh, the people who wrote Frozen, the Lopez. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, and Anderson Lopez. All right. Okay. And, uh, we'll, do, we'll do that one. I was going to say, well, we could say Vivian Lee and Laurence Olivier, but that didn't end well. Going even so further back. So. Taylor and Burton. <laughs> Taylor and Burton. And neither did Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson. So. Oh, oh, that's so well, sad. Anyway, Alan Alan this, is a, this is a much are, better. Are a much better power couple. Yeah, because they're is, together. Lori <laughs> is a two-time St. Louis Theater Circle Award winner. That always makes me happy. yeah well i just oh i just love watching alan and uh i love watching Lori too and i got to see them in their first play together was it two years ago the real joneses yeah Uh, time time means nothing i know isn't this crazy time means nothing now it's just so nuts well, enjoy your vacation. Thank you for taking time out to give me a call. I miss you. I miss you too, and I'm 
doing well, Toria, and we're thinking of you and cheering you on for another 60 years of this crazy <laughs> Oh, see, I was, I was saying earlier that uh, in 30 years I've made enough as one person would make in a real job for like one year. <laughs> she knows that's true. <laughs> I know. Hey, I'm in print. It's worth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. uh, well, All right, listen, darling. Thank you, and tell Alan hello. I sure will, and he says hello to all of y'all. Thank you. You're going to be on the internets later tonight. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, the but will no, it's going to be wonderful. You're a lovely person. <laughs> Talk to you later. Thank you. Sure, thank you for calling. I like me some Lori Mack. She's a good good woman. Oh, she's still on. Yeah, she is. <laughs> she, she's, see? She's good people. I, I thought and, that I didn't know, and st- I was still saying nice things about her. <laughs> and Carl and Lori are both in my movie, Daddy Dog. Yes, voiceovers. Voice, voiceovers. Yes. Well, listen, you have a wonderful week ahead. Thank you. You too. Keep on keeping on. Of course. All right. So, All right. Oh, get back to that. I love. Right, well, I love those. I'm so glad. No, good. She got to call in because she's on vacation. That's nice. That was very nice of her. I know. Um, so getting. So back what? To what the... I was saying. What I was saying about Jimmy Carter. There are Republicans in this. John Wayne is featured saying nice things about Jimmy Carter. Charlie. Uh, Daniels. Charlie Daniels is in this saying nice things about Jimmy Carter. As I saying, Trisha Yearwood and Garth Brooks, they love Jimmy Carter. Well, they all work on Habitat for Humanity together. One of the biggest surprises about this film, because uh, I It's not very long. It's like 75 minutes. uh, 96, actually. Oh, really? It doesn't seem that... Because the music is all over the place. The music is so good, but... It's it's a classic rock soundtrack. I... uh, President Carter was the first presidential vote I cast uh-huh. uh, because in 72 I did not turn 18 till December Uh-oh. so I was not allowed to vote in Nixon versus McGovern but mm-hmm. I would have voted for McGovern which would have been a okay yeah but it was the you know that was pre-Watergate so post-Watergate Jimmy Carter was governor of Georgia and he started running and I saw him on some of the you know media was not what he's it is a nowadays farmer. and I just was captivated by uh what he was saying uh, about America he loves America so mm-hmm. much and I think the how decent he is is just his reflect here but people didn't know you know he was a state senator then he was governor nuclear scientist he was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. He uh, obviously had a business. Peter, uh, you know, peanut farmer from Plains, Bill, Georgia. Billy's not, Billy's not in it. He's he's in the background of a couple scenes. And Rosalind's not in it either. Neither is Amy. No, the humanity uh, that uh, is shown is, is really good. And I think all the talking heads, there's a terrific group of talking heads here. Mm-hmm. But I think what's interesting about his early life, he grew up in a county that was 80% African-Americans. Mm-hmm. And so he did not grow up being racist. And when other yeah. people wanted to keep the segregated South, like his son Chip talks about how he was beat up in of, high school. Of the, his four kids, Chip yes. is the only one that talks. Right. And everyone, my wife kept saying, where's Amy? Where's Amy? Where's Amy? Amy, Amy's not in, Amy's not in the movie at all. And uh, so I really like. None of the Carter women speak. So they talk about how he just grew up uh, being this liberal person. And uh, his mother was a nurse, you know. Mm -hmm. He grew up without 
electricity or running water. But he was the first president born in a hospital, FYI. Okay. And uh, I, I Kennedy just re- wasn't born in a hospital. You'd think that, that there's a. I think that was you no, think that the Kennedys. Yeah, you would think, but maybe uh, yeah. those maybe those Massachusetts blue buds. Well, maybe oh, yeah, they, they might have had a private nurse and stuff like that. But anyway, so it shows how humble Jimmy is. But also, he talks about how much he loved music. He said music breaks down barriers. He He's became right. a Dylan fan early on, and he quoted Dylan in his in his speeches. And he used to play Dylan for his boys. Mm. And he bought this big. His son talks about how he bought the biggest stereo yeah. and speakers in planes. And he would bond with his kids mm-hmm. about music. There is nothing more primal and universal than music. I right. mean, certainly. I love how international a painting can be or a movie or, you know, a television show or a book, obviously it would translate it into different languages, but music, those primal drums, you know, the, the, the wonderful chords. I mean, that, that really breaks down barriers because anybody can listen to a song and feel those emotions. But he didn't like disco, but he did like jazz because he said, which is true. Jazz is the purely the only American, American art form, yep. and it showed how at that White House, the the lawn, uh, they, they, he would have all these concerts. He would have jazz. He would have gospel, and it showed him growing up in the church. The mm-hmm. gospel. They show all these uh, scenes of planes being very simple, sparse, very southern plains, Georgia. You yeah, not, plains, not, not aeroplanes, but right. plains, Georgia, where he was from. And if, also, it showed like Ro- Roseanne Cash. Mm-hmm. Or Ros- no, June. Well, Roseanne Cash Roseanne. is in the movie, but she, June Carter Cash said we got to be related somehow because she he was friends with Johnny Cash too, hmm. and so June Carter Cash would say, "We're Carters. We're all Carters." Lynn Venhouse, if you are a dyed-in-the-wool Republican. If you are a giant Reagan fan, is this movie going to change your opinion of Jimmy Carter, the man or the president? Probably the man. The man. But I, but I, I still think that Republicans appreciate what he's done once he got out of office. Sure. But yeah. again, his camp, presidency, well, it doesn't necessarily change does, the view. The, does, camp, the Camp David Accords, you got to give him that. If you're gonna if you're gonna give Jared, Kushner I'm not the credit, one tearing the man no. down. I'm saying if you're just give Jared in Kushner history, credit for uh, saving saving the UAE well, I'm versus not. Israel. <laughs> but th- you'd have to say that the Camp David Accords are very historic. Certainly, and I'm I'm not I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm right. not tearing Jimmy Carter down. I don't have a dog in the fight. But when you look at how society and how our country views past presidents, Simpsons have a joke that he's, he's a one-term world, president, world's greatest nightmare. <laughs> and then um, they they repurpose the Jimmy Carter. A statue to a Marge statue. <laughs> uh, the uh, they quote a lot of people in it, and they quote uh, B- Harry Belafonte saying, "Artists are the gatekeepers of truth." Yeah, which I think is really true. But is it really remarkable? The 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 archival footage is great. I want to give a shout out to the writer Bill Flanagan. As soon as I saw his name in the credits, I went, "Well, then this is going to be really good." It's really well done. Uh, I've heard uh, that name. Yes, he is an author. He is also the guy that he worked at MTV for like 10 years. He's the one that launched VH1, oh. and he's responsible for VH1 storytellers behind the music, uh, legends, all those great VH1 programs. Yeah, but unlike a VH1 behind the music thing, this doesn't have a uh, sad thing he has to overcome at the, sure. in the middle. It, the sad thing he has to overcome is at the probably three quarters. The, him losing the presidency, yeah. that was probably about it. And then he said, you know what, I'm st- I still have work to do in Habitat for Humanity. 
and there's no there's just which great we've all number. volunteered for and worked for right i'm just yes. gonna guess because well, i've I, got a lot I, of articles about I, it. I i i certainly have I uh uh taken that hammer and and build mm-hmm. those houses it's kind of incredible well it's a wonderful thing and uh they have the um uh they have jimmy buffett was one of his early supporters yeah he did concerts for him back when nobody knew who. And Jerry Brown had Linda Ronstadt and Eagles, and well, but but that's his girlfriend, so exactly. it's kind of easy. But but they said, and the Almond Brothers were like we don't want to fight with Linda Ronstadt and the Eagles, <laughs> and so we're just there across which, the street, which was her band, so, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's real. It's really but he's interesting. in the, the California thing, and the Almond Brothers were from Georgia, so well, Jimmy Carter put uh, when he first got in to the governor's mansion in Georgia, he put a he put a, a, a framed picture of Martin Luther King. Right. Because he said Martin Luther King got the Nobel Peace Prize. He was from Georgia. And so and my, they have all these African Americans standing getting their picture taken with the portrait of Martin wow. Luther King. And so it's very it's very I thought it was very insightful. So good. The name of the documentary is Jimmy Carter Rock and Roll President. Yeah. Yes. And it's available everywhere. Is uh, it is. Well, I think um, it's going to be on PBS. Okay. It, uh, well, it's on. That was like RBG was on PBS. Right. And then CNN. It's POV. It's part of the right. POV. It is currently in theaters and it is at Plaza Frontenac right now. Okay. But it, on October 9th, it's going to be available on home entertainment. Okay. All right. So, Let's talk yes. about. Um, let, let, uh, let's talk about one of the movies that Max saw. Let's talk about Rent-A-Pal, which is getting mixed reviews. Uh, it takes place in the 90s? Yes, it takes place uh, in an indeterminate past, but certainly not present day. Because it's VHS. It, uh, it's based upon yeah VHS and older cars and what have you. They never tell you a date, but you just know it's not current day. We don't have cell phones. We don't have stuff right. like that. And uh, this is an IFC movie. It's called Rent-A-Pal, and it stars... Uh, Will Wheaton and Brian Landis Fulkins. Now you know I don't one, know him. You know one name and you don't know the other name. But that's on purpose. This one, uh, I, I started seeing uh, fellow film critics on Twitter really give this one high marks, and there are some that I won't name right now that said it was nine out of a ten, one of the biggest surprises of the year. And so, as Carl knows, I'm just now getting back into film. Cr- mm-hmm. Criticism after mm-hmm. the whole pandemic thing, and so I thought, okay, I got a link from I'll IFC. Check it out. Yeah, I will check this out. Now I'm this is very IFC excited. Midnight, so yes. that means it's kind of not necessarily mainstream. It might be horrorish. Yes, this is definitely marketed as a horror film, and certainly it is a horror film. I love horror films; one of my favorite genres. I love thrillers. I like movies that are very, very dark. This one is, and uh, it was not only directed by, but also produced by, and written by, and edited by. A man named John Stevenson. So this is 100% a John Stevenson film, uh, right down Who's to the John editing. John Stevenson? This is, uh, as far as I know, his first major release. Well, he uh, doesn't have a Wikipedia page. It is, as I can uh, let you know, it's IFC Midnight. It is very, very low budget. And so when you start the movie, if you're me, you instantly have to forgive that. You know, it's, you're not going to have a lot of locations. Um, it's not a Blumhouse production. It's not a Blumhouse production. Production. Uh, the, the sets uh, don't feel like they're lit very well. These are borrowed um, sets. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the boom mics feel like they might not always work. Uh, or, or they might be in the shot. <laughs> the acting um, leaves a lot to be desired, 
But that's fine. Will, Will Wheaton's a professional actor. Well, I'll get to Will in a moment. I'm talking about everybody else. Okay. But that's fine. I don't mind that. I've watched a lot of low-budget movies. There was a movie from a couple years ago with Melissa Roch called The uh, the Bronze, which was very low-budget, but I love that movie. I thought it was really, really funny. And she was on the Maxim Movie Show. She and was I got on the Maxim Movie too. Show. You're right. Yeah, she was fantastic. Uh, so I thought, okay, I and can... she doesn't have that voice that she has no, on, no. on Big Bang Theory. She's actually much more talented than that. I hope she gets more roles as she goes forward, but we're not but talking about a, Melissa. But she's a little cutie. Um, but yeah, but so John Stevenson, working with no budget, working with actors that haven't done a lot, I'm fine with all of that if the story hooks me and if the story is engaging. So right away, you've got this guy, uh, uh, Brian Landis Falkins is his name, and uh, he plays a man who is living at home with his mother who has dementia. Okay. And so he is taking care of her. She doesn't know what day it is. She doesn't even remember him. She thinks that he is his deceased father, uh, but of course makes it very tough for him. He has a uh, job that he hates. Uh, he has no kind of social life. And he goes to a place, a video dating service, and he's always running his credit card and the old sort of slide machines, and he's getting these video dating services. If you re re remember the commercials for those, when they would mm -hmm. say, hi, my name's Carl, and I've been in radio for 30 years, and I would love to go out on a date. I love puppies and kittens. Uh, well, that's what he does. He watches all these things. He always calls, but they have always gone out with someone else. So it's a very sad setup, but I was intrigued. Then he goes back to the video dating service and he sees in the uh, closeout bin something called Rent-A-Pal and there's Will Wheaton on the cover. And he says, well, how much is this? Well, it's pretty cheap. Okay, I'll bring this home too. He puts it in and it's a very strange kind of disturbing video of Will Wheaton alone on a white set in a chair with a table next to him and a telephone. And he's wearing sort of a you know a nice comforting sweater. And he looks directly into the camera and he but says, But he's not hey. playing Will Wheaton. No, he's playing a guy named Andy. He goes, okay. hey, my name is Andy and I'd like to be your friend. How are you? What's your name? Pause, pause. And so the it's like Dora the Explorer. It kind of is. And, and, and so David, who's played by Brian Landis Falcons, doesn't answer at first. And he thinks the whole thing is kind of strange. The next day, he finds himself re rewinding the tape, pressing play. And when Andy says, what's your name? He goes, David. And he kind of starts to play along with it. Now, here's where I will give the highest marks of the movie that I can. Will Wheaton is inspired casting. Will Wheaton is beloved by some geeks mm -hmm. and despised by other geeks. Which, on Big Bang Theory, he played to winning effect. Well, here is what he does. Uh, he, he does the same thing here with, with Rent the Pal. If you love Will Wheaton, you will love his performance. If you think he's a smarmy kind of guy, yes, he will prove that out in this. He's wonderful. He's the high point of this film. He's playing on his own sort of internet infamy, and it completely and totally works. When How he is, much is he in the film, though? He's in the film a lot. Okay. He's in the film a lot, always on these VHS tapes. Okay. Now, while you're watching the film, uh, you are wondering what is behind these VHS tapes. What's the ne When's the shoe going to drop? You're thinking, as he actually finds a woman, uh, played by uh, Amy Rutledge, her name is Lisa, he finds her on a rented date, and so then they go out on a date. She seems kind of normal. She also uh, works in sort of hospice care, so she's fine with him taking Ooh, care of his mom and everything. empathetic. Exactly. And, and Amy Rutledge is not bad in this movie uh, either, although she doesn't have a lot to, to do. But with Will Wheaton's role as the rent-a-pal, you're thinking, okay, this has got to be something supernatural. The videotape is sentient and knows who David is because you just don't know. Hello, David. He's always rewinding the tape, playing it forward. He's interacting with it. He becomes obsessed with this tape 
to the detriment of his taking care of his mother and for his actual relationship with Lisa, Andy, the videotape, becomes the paramount thing of importance oh. for him. Mm. But as I'm watching the movie, I'm waiting, as Carl said, for that other shoe to drop. What is there behind this tape? And you know it's a horror film. It's a horror film. Now, horrific things happen. There are people who are bludgeoned. There are people who are stabbed. There is blood at the end. Uh, Will Wheaton is always very creepy. There's some very tense and creepy moments. But I am not going to spoil here what is behind that tape or if, in fact, there is anything. Because I will say if there isn't anything, if there isn't anything behind the tape, wouldn't you say that's disappointing? Yes. I'm not going to tell you whether there is or isn't. What I I will tell you is. Will you tell you you were disappointed? Rent-A-Pal is a huge, huge letdown. Uh, I did not like this movie at all. I'm sure that I've made it sound pretty engaging, and that's because Will Wheaton is is really very good as the creepy sort of Rent-A-Pal, but it is extremely long. You go over the same things over and over again. Oh, I have to take care of my mom. Oh, I have to take care of my mom. Oh, Oh, I have to take care of my mom. Over and over again. It gets very repetitious, and unfortunately, I'm sure he's a quality human being, but Brian Landis Fulkins cannot handle this film. He is the lead role. He is David. And it is amateur hour. It is amateur hour all the way through. And and, and when you don't have somebody who can handle a lead performance, I just felt bad for him the whole time. Casting's 80%. It it, it, it really is. And I also think had the script been a little bit more interesting with what is going on behind Rinsa Powell. It's less than two hours, though. It felt like I was watching a six-hour movie because of the repetition of the story. They set up something. Hey, it's Carl's 30 years in radio. Then they go back to it. It's Carl's 30 years in radio. They just keep doing that. So I was done with it. And there's no, there's There's no no big, there's no big reveal that is satisfying. And so, uh, at the end of the day, it was one of my biggest letdowns. I don't think Brian Landis Fulkins has any kind of career ahead of him. This will be something that he can say, wow, I led a movie one day. We love to praise actors and actresses who are young and in experience who do great work. I'm sorry to say I feel bad beating up on an IFC film, you know, an independent film, mm-hmm. but he is just not compelling. He doesn't sell the role. Would this have worked better on Netflix or even on IFC? Not at all, because at the end of the day, the biggest culprit is the script. And I have to give it back to uh, John Stevenson because he wrote it. He produced it. He directed it. He and edited, he edited it. It. <laughs> it, it. It's his movie. And I think that he was approaching something that was a really decent He's idea. Right there. He, he, he is. And you know what? And this would have been a movie that you and I would have driven home from and written a better ending i actually it made me wish that ari aster would have been involved because he actually would (laughs) have had a better idea for where to take this movie it is gruesome it is horrific and i cannot recommend it it is probably going to be on my top 10 worst movies of the year really rent a pal well that's unfortunate because i i you know sometimes there's a really good concept but it's not executed well. I take no pleasure in trashing it. I mean, honestly, right. I don't. I, and there were things that you liked about it. Will Wheaton is very good. He's, pl- he's playing to his audience. To like I thought there was going to be a bigger reveal or a bigger payoff. And the devil is not. behind it all. Something like that, certainly. Some, or, or, or something. Lynn, did you watch Class Action Park? I did. Um, okay, it, so for the interest of time, we can save it for next week. Okay, because is this isn't it the same movie like that uh, action, action point. part action point that action Johnny point. Knoxville yes. did? They couldn't get the rights, and so they had to call the movie Action Point. But yes, it is also based on an 
Action Park. We had the author of the book about Action Park uh, on the Carney show, mm-hmm. and he was fantastic. And he talked about the documentary using a lot of his book for the basis. And I love the title, Class Action Park. That's really funny. Uh, but no, Johnny Knoxville made a fictionalized version a couple years ago. Because he used to go there ago. as a kid. Yeah, called, but they couldn't get the rights to it, and so they called it Action Point, and it died on the vine. Nobody it did. saw it. Well, it was, they, they they do show a, a clip in the, the trailer oh, they do. from uh, Johnny Knoxville being That's on good. Jimmy Kimmel, and Jimmy Kimmel seeing everybody in his family was injured there, and they were laughing. It, it's uh, Just to, to make a point, it's on Cinemax, so you can get it on HBO Max, and it is very good. Uh, it, at first, it's it's very entertaining, and I was cracking up. I mean, it's you shouldn't laugh at people being injured, but the fact that it was so over the top without safety precautions. Yeah. Everybody that works there that was interviewed kept saying it was like an 80s movie. We lived in an 80s movie, mm-hmm. but then things go horribly wrong, and then it takes a very horrible turn with uh, the first death and then there's oh more, that's not in the Johnny Knoxville movie and there's more death and lawsuits so then it's like whiplash it has a tone shift and I don't know if it can recover from it because at first you know the comedian Chris Gethart yeah he was there all the time and he talks about going as a kid and he talks about how everybody felt about it and he talks about the staff and the and the injuries and how people would walk around with these scrapes and this orange blob that was uh uh alcohol and iodine Mm -hmm. that they would (laughs) put on the kids and what happened was all these engineers that made these rides they were like the rejects from disney and they uh, did not have high safety standards there and then in the 80s, local governments tended to look the other way sometimes, mm-hmm. and uh, it was all about that. So it's very yeah, comprehensive. The Downey Knoxville movie is all about a developer that wants to come in and make use of the land. Which they probably should because it was awful. Exactly. Um, and but since we're doing previews, um, there's a movie coming out called The Doorman starring Ruby Rose and Jean Reno. Yes. And I'm I trying su- to get an interview with Jean Reno, as a matter of fact. Really? Cross your fingers. So okay, that's You can that's, talk to him about The Five Bloods. He I can that. talk to him about The Professional, a.k.a. Yeah, Leon, Leon, the professional. The screen debut of one Natalie Portman. I know, uh, but so this, that's but coming year. out. They finally they sent this movie to me, and they said this is the world premiere, and I said when's the release date? We don't know. I finally got an email that says the release date is going to be ten nine, so okay. October 9th. But you have a screener. That's good because I'm, I'm trying to I get don't a, have a screener. screener. Okay, yeah, so no. get get this. Um, anyone that tries to review this movie without using the words die and hard next to each other okay uh because There's your challenge that that's challenge i'm challenging you both i will meet that challenge. the doorman is not die hard in a refurbished hotel <laughs> right okay because okay. it is <laughs> well action park has actually been on cinemax for i think a, a week or so yeah. so this, so it's already there there is a video on demand that came september 4th called measure for measure it is a shakespeare remake by these australian dudes and the big star is hugo weaving i know him he's been in a lot of things like lord of the rings and he is no he is in the matrix he's not I was gonna say Mr. He Anderson, Agent but Smith. he's Agent Smith who says Mr. Anderson. He's also in V for Vendetta, starring one Natalie Portman. Okay. Right, and so seven, he's getting seven a lot degrees of, of Natalie Portman. All I'm gonna say, this is very reminiscent of what Max said about uh, uh, Rent a Pal. Uh, you admire the effort, the story, the people that are in it are trying real hard. Mm. Uh, it I like when people take Shakespeare 
and give it a modern absolutely uh, like uh, me too take. Well, like uh, uh, it was Joss Whedon that did it. Yes, in a house in black and white. Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, it was. But great. also the Hamlet with Ethan Hawke. Uh, and Kyle MacLachlan is wonderful, and that was set in the modern day. And uh, one of my favorites, lesser known, is Carolinas Car- with Ray Fiennes and Gerard Butler. His and, directorial debut. And, and uh, Vanessa Redgrave. How about Richard III with, oh, uh, with um, uh, Ian, McKellen. Ian McKellen? How great yes. is that? Yes. So, therefore, so <laughs> and also. Mel Gibson is Hamlet. Well, but that well, was more of a that was more of a period. Was, no, yeah, no, yeah, was, yeah, was yeah actually, they, yeah. they did it even and though I was being Glenn facetious Close about yeah, that. Yeah, no, sure. I, the Joss Mother. Whedon one is more yes. to her thing. Yeah, when they update I, it with a modern take, I really like that. Living in one house, oh, that was and that was right after he did the Avengers. Right after he did, he did the Avengers, and then he's like, I'm following it up with uh, Shakespeare in my house. And, and he's, done, his he's house. done nothing since Justice League, since he had to clean up uh, Justice League. He's done nothing. Well, uh, I mean, he got divorced, but <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes people take off for for things, and so uh, Joss has done a lot. Uh, this uh, his brother's show went off the air. This mother, a measure of mother. This me- measure, measure for, measure, for measure, measure. I can't talk about it without mentioning Baz Luhrmann's oh. Romeo and Juliet, which of course is a masterpiece. Which I, is I mean, honestly, the, a which are you going to take a remake? I you're going to do. Never seen. You've never seen it. It is. Oh my god! It is an out and out hundred percent masterpiece. Lo- the soundtrack got nonstop play yeah, in my CD Fool. player. Um, love it fool is, is from that, right? It is yes. Okay. It is unbelievably magnificent. And when it, when it came my, out, it was 95, 96, 95? I want to say ninety seven. Yeah. And you had Paul Rudd in the movie. Uh, John Leguizamo as uh, Tybalt, who is maybe my favorite moment of that. But but they oh. the the script as Lynn can back up is the closest adaptation of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet that's ever been. But visually, he updates it. So it's when, today. So, so when he says, hand me my sword, they hand him a gun that says sword on it. It's like, it's amazing. It's so good. You have to see it. Pete Postlewaite is amazing. And uh, so is Harold P- uh, Perrineau as uh, Mercutio. Yes. yes. And, and, and Paul, on both your houses. Paul Sorvino. Yes. Um, yeah, um, he That was before Lost. And Th- that's and, what uh, got him cast uh, on Lost. And Leo, oh my God, is so good. And, and Claire so Danes is, Claire is great. Danes. And and those two did not get along during filming. No. You can't really tell, but they're, they're both wonderful. The costume party is great. So many iconic scenes. Carl, you do yourself a I favor. I've never seen Rent, it. Let Maggie watch it. Watch this movie. It is incredible. No, you she didn't like it. Sixteen Candles. No, but this is. She will like this. Okay. This is wonderful. Okay, so right. Measure for Measure is not that, but it's one of. Uh, <laughs> But it's but it's made in Australia. Okay. You no, know, this masterpiece is not that. No, this okay. So, but they borrow. Okay, so so it's made in Australia. So you're gonna have unfair comparisons. But yes, but the rom com that we did like had two Australian leads, and they did throw in. Um, they do make more. They make it more R and J because they turned the uh, protagonist's uh, sister in the Shakespeare play into his new girlfriend they updated it with crime drugs and hate crimes okay yeah 
So we have drugs and we have these two housing complexes and one is is uh, Hugo Weaving is in it and you know right away he's like the big crime boss because he's wearing a robe all day. And, and he's Hugo Weaving, he's the biggest star in this movie. And he's got that voice. And then the Muslim brother is over in the other one. So the beginning of the movie brings the two star-crossed lovers together in a very unusual way that sets the tone for the movie uh this horrific um hate crime and the the lead guy harrison gilbertson who plays claudio he saves a muslim girl named jawara megan smart uh from a bullet and they proceed to fall in love a cute little montages i don't know it's really weird because this is a very gritty rough a bunch of drug people and horrific uh, prejudice, bigotry. And then you got this love story, star-crossed lovers and their montage and everything. So it's very cliche and generic, and I wish they would have had a— It's it's one of Shakespeare's problem plays. Right. But I wish they would have just— Because it's not a comedy, and it's not a drama. No, the people in it. But this is the backstory. The director is Paul Ireland. The writer and director— I mean, the co-writer is Damien Hill, who died one day— before the movie was supposed to start Uh-oh. filming. Oh, okay. So everybody was in a tizzy, obviously. And he was also set to be the antagonist, uh, which is uh, Angelo. Mark Leonard Winter was in another part, and they bumped him up, so he had to learn a part. They started like a week later. Um, it's just really, predi- it's so predictable. And this guy, he's a hothead. Hugo Weaving is grooming him to take over the crime, uh, his gang, but he just is drug fuel. He sells meth and he's on drugs and he's just, he, he uses brawn where Hugo says, you should use your brain. Uh-huh. And uh, Hugo acts like he's going to go off to do something, but he really disguises himself as a friar and observes the new guy trying to uh, run the crime syndicate. He puts on a V for Vendetta mask. Uh-huh. And yeah. Nobody and, will know it's me. Well, it's directed, and, it's directed by Paul Ireland, who is a British-Australian actor who did train spotting on, in the West End. So uh, it's funny you would say that because this feels, uh, with, with your description, much more like a stage play than well, a movie. Well, it was. It's Shakespeare. Uh, certainly. Uh, but but uh, much like Renapal, don't you kind of feel bad ripping it? I, I mean, you just, you have to tell the audience that, that that's listening right now, <clears throat> maybe don't watch this, but also good for those people for trying, right? I mean, right. that's kind of well, where I am at. Ambition, Tom Wilkinson's know? in the, the BBC version that they did for... He's a great actor. Well, yeah, but can you see Tom Wilkinson in doing this back in 94? Well, you know, it updates it to the racial tensions of today. Well, yeah, because they're, they're trying to modernize it. Sure. And, I mean, and, and the and gang all that's a good culture, idea, but it, it sounds like it just didn't work. So. It didn't work. It yeah. just, it was, you know, it's not on another level like how Baz Luhrmann did Romeo and Julie yes. at on another level. Which, but which, again, I have not seen When that movie opens, it's Romeo it opens, plus Juliet, by the way. It's yeah, William yeah, Shakespeare's, it it's William it's William Shakespeare's, Shakespeare's Romeo, Romeo plus, plus Juliet. Juliet. It opens with that television set. And right away, you're like, I'm looking at a television set. This is not. This is not Shakespeare. Be, yeah, it's amazing. 
Okay, so I now I guess I don't have to see it. You have to see it. All right, let's so, talk. Yeah. We have, we have, have one more film I might be able to give that you, a copy. you both saw on Netflix. Charlie Kaufman's crazy. I watched yeah. it just last night. Uh, before we get into our review, Len, of yes. I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which you texted me. You said, listen, Max, if you're going to be Carl's special guest for the 30th anniversary of You him, need to see something or, current. You need to watch something. So I did last night. But let me uh, commiserate with Carl really quick. I don't think either one of us are the biggest fans of Charlie Kaufman's work. I will say that his last movie, Anna Melissa, Ugh, neither oh, one of us enjoyed. There were some it's clever moments, good. of course. The title of the movie itself, it's clever. Yes. But no, I did not like it. I adaptation, don't like, I like. I don't like adaptation. I am the only person on the planet. That doesn't like adaptation. Who doesn't like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. <gasps> Listen, oh. Do you hear the audible gasps? The gasps from everybody listening to the podcast, too. It's crazy how that works. Oscar winner for best screenplay. So I do not like Eternal Sunshine. I do not Jim like... Jim Carrey's probably finest dramatic work. I do not like adaptation. I didn't and, but like you know Anna I love Lisa. Kate Winslet, too. So I give... She gets... Here's the thing. Everybody likes that movie. I don't. I'm not a She's big... She's really quirky in that movie. Bad song. I will say, though, his first film which I believe Spike Jones directed, but the first film that he wrote was uh, being John Malkovich. Yeah. And I own that movie. That's how much I loved the freaky, weird uh, universe that he created and the idea that Malkovich was such a gamer for going along with it. That's right. really incredible he, because he could have said like, no. Okay. I mean, they could, could have had to change the character. They still would have called it. And, 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 and John Cusack the, loves that film. Right. and. He's it is. very prickly. So so right when that happened, I bought the movie. I showed it to everybody. I thought it was great. I think Cameron Diaz was great in that. I think it's really, really wonderful. But every almost everything since then, I have not enjoyed from Kaufman. So when but Lynn adaptation, said... Adaptation, New it, York. It reminds you that Nicolas Cage can act. When Lynn it said, does. you have to watch, I'm thinking of ending things. I thought, okay, I will do this because my friend Carl is celebrating <laughs> 30 years in St. Louis Radio. And you're going to be here. And I'm going to be here. And you have something to talk about. I will say, as far as my background with the movie, <clears throat> I knew nothing except that my wife, uh, who is, like me, a voracious reader, and so she, we're always getting stuff from the library. I tend to stick with Stephen King, Agatha Christie, a lot of classics. She's always doing the new book, right? So whether it's uh, Little Fires Everywhere or, or whatever. Big uh, Little Lies. Exactly. The new book she's always got. So she had, I'm thinking of ending things, just about a month ago. Now, of course, anytime you've been married for a long now, time. He, he wrote a book about it first? No, no it was Ian Reed. It's an adaptation. Yes, who is a producer on the adaptation. Ian Reed wrote the book. with it. Yeah, he is, and, and uh, but but he so he wrote the book. But again, two thousand sixteen. When, you, when you're in a marriage for a while and you see your wife reading a book called "I'm Thinking of Many Things," <laughs> it kind of gives you the willies, right? Yeah. You used to okay. So Lynn told me about this, and it's actually very hard to find on Netflix right now. It is, and you know what? I I'm so happy that you brought that up because last night. Uh, Oscar goes to sleep, Katie goes to sleep, and uh, I turn on Netflix and I look at the top ten. It's not there. Nope, Cobra Kai. I yeah, I look at <laughs> and cuties. Uh, yes, I look at the uh, okay dramas. No thrillers. No, I could not find it. It's, it was very hard to find. I had to actually search it, and yeah. then I saw it. Me I too. only had I only had two hours, and, and I I went and I said, oh, this is two hours and fifteen minutes. I don't have time to watch this right yeah. now. So that is the only reason why I didn't watch it. But I did does find it. Feel, it does it I feel didn't... two hours and fifteen minutes no. long? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, oh, you liked it. Here's the thing. Uh, I will let Lynn take the lead on this, but I will say, 
after I've just set up for the last 10 minutes how I don't really enjoy the work of Charlie Kaufman. This is, in my opinion, his best work. I loved this movie. Since Malkovich. Or I, I, yes. No, I would say I haven't watched Malkovich in a long time, so I don't really know. But Malkovich has a lot more whimsy, which I do enjoy whimsy. Lynn, is it better than Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? I think it's his best work. Lynn? I don't know. Um, I've been thinking about it for a week now, my head, and I've been reading all sorts of theories online and trying to come. Oh, because it's one of those. It's one of those. Actually, I, I didn't think so, and, and and I don't mean to be too contrarian here, um, and we don't want to spoil. We don't want to spoil too much, but I will say in the opening scene, it sets up something that I thought, oh, that's what's going on. And the rest of the movie proved it out. And the next morning, I said to my wife, hey, you read that book. Oh. Uh, is this what happened in the book? And she said, yes. And I said, okay. So I actually, and I'm not trying to sound, oh, I'm so smart. I knew what was happening all I along. did not find it confusing. I think that the movie actually lays out pretty early what's happening. And uh, Jesse Buckley, who is phenomenal. Oh, I love her. My choice for know. best actress so far. Uh, but, but her confession in the school at the end is what I'll say is a wonderful gut punch that it kind of uh, told me, oh, I was right in my reading of the film. But anyway, I'm getting way too far ahead of myself. Right. Let's I'm say that somebody's you, listening okay, so and has no idea what, what this movie even is. Lynn, and you is can that, tell is yes. that uh, better to not know anything? Uh, I went into it blind. so um, I did too. Did Katie uh, watch it? No, she's not yet. Uh, I thought she did. She read the book. She's not watched it yet. I think that she, she said she liked the book, but the reveal... Um, didn't sit too well with her because mm. there is a reveal. And so I'm not sure she's too motivated to watch the movie. Okay. But the thing is, I told but her this morning. Because she also has that in her head already. But that's the thing. She'll, she'll know exactly what, like the second she hits play, she'll know what's going on. But I told her, I really liked it. Jesse Plemons and Jesse Buckley. It's funny. They're both named Jesse. Jesse. Uh, and Brie Larson was supposed to be that part, but she dropped out. Was she? Yes. Do you like that better? No, no, I, I don't, don't either. I don't actually. I, yeah. And I love Brie, but no, I think Jesse Buckley. I'm not sure how many. You know what? Natasha Leone could have done that role. But she was doing Years working ago. for next. She was working for she Netflix was working for Russian, Russian doll. doll. Yeah. But, but but that's about it. This is a very tough role. For okay, Lynn, to pull it is. Up. Lynn, go ahead. OK, well, just preface that Jesse wow, was in uh, Wild Rose last year and many. Uh, You've loved her yes. since you saw her. She was oh, in this she, she movie was in called Beast. Doolittle this year. She was the Queen oh. of England. <laughs> oh, yeah, and she's in Judy, too. But, but anyway, she, she's she up sing? and coming. She, she she's in great in Judy. Oh, in a very small part. This go is... look up her singing Glasgow on the Colbert show. And they never let her sing in this. And there are musical moments. That's yes. ridiculous. Okay, she, so, so far, she is my pick for best actress. It is a weird movie. Lynn nominated her last year. It does take, I did, it does take clever detours. And uh, you just got to remember, to me, Charlie Kaufman's imagination must be insane. Yeah, He's but this always, is an adaptation. I know, but the what he adds to it, I think, is like he loves to talk about relationships. You got to admit that. He loves to think about all what's going on in that. And this is like, think about this. Being John Malkovich is all in his head. Certainly. Adaptation is in his head. He's just, York, he is just yes, an odd duck, yeah. which kind of this material suits him. Okay. A friend of mine, I just started the movie, and a friend of mine who is a longtime movie pal, he texted me, and I said, is this like Fargo meets Get Out? And then he added, and Oklahoma. And then this is what he said. He said, and by the way, it takes place in Oklahoma, so how rich is that? He said, 
uh, is the theme if you can go back to high school and play the lead in the senior musical life will make sense apparently the <laughs> oklahoma stuff and i don't know this for sure and i'm sure the podcasters who are listening will correct me apparently the oklahoma stuff was added by kaufman apparently that's not, not in, in the, the book, book which is interesting you talk about his his brain working overtime so when the movie opens You've got Jesse Plemons, mm-hmm. who is married and has a child with Kirsten Dunst. Yes, and he's also... And he was in this a brilliant in second season of Fargo. And he was also in Game Night. Great Game Night. He has a wonderful little dog. So he, And Breaking Bad, he was meth Damon. Yes, he was. You're right. And so, Friday Night Lights. So Jesse Plemons uh, and, and uh, Jesse Buckley are in a car um, driving towards his parents' house. And you hear her internal monologue saying, I'm thinking of ending things. This relationship is going nowhere. Why oh, am I so still here? Oh, so she doesn't want to kill herself. She wants to break up. Exactly. Okay. Right. Uh, although that title and her refrain can mean many different things as the movie goes on. Uh-huh. It might actually come down to suicide later on. But Here's for right now. I get out of this relationship. Yeah, I'll kill myself. Well, well, you're jumping ahead. But, okay. uh, but so, so you're hearing her internal monologue inner monologue and he's saying we're gonna go meet my parents and she's thinking why am i even doing this why am i even meeting his parents my parents don't even know that i'm dating this guy but it's shot in a way Hmm. that is very very dreamlike it reminded me very much of the way that david lynch shoots things because it is it is telling the audience this is not real okay there's a lot of and not even like in a surreal kind of i'm seeing tentacles kind of way but just there's a road that you never see anything else on the road. (laughs) There's never any cars. There's not a street light. There's, there's nothing, but you see them. And so it's very fake right away. And so you're thinking, okay, I don't know what I'm watching. I don't know who is real and who isn't real and what's happening. And there's no time frame either. There's zero time frame. The, the car ride seems to So this to could take, be, this could be in the forties. This could be modern day. Well, it's gotta be after Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah, oh, certainly, because so they they the talk 50s. about the play it's very Oklahoma. Fifty sixties, like he mentions South Pacific. What? He mentions po- popular musicals. You know what's funny? He does not mention Hamilton. He does not mention Cats. So I'd imagine pre eighties. Okay, just because of but, those but, two but things. It's, but I thought it's out of time. It's but completely she, out of time. It could it's, be. It could be yesterday. It could be out of reality because anyway. as they talk, that's Lynchian. She's reciting poetry. He see, She has an internal monologue. He seems to know what she's thinking. It's all very strange. They so, both are the same. They both are uh, scientists. They both are poets. Yes. Even, again, the actors have the same name. So early on in the movie, you're thinking, okay, everything that I'm seeing is suspect. Everything I'm seeing is open for interpretation. Now, I like these kinds of movies, so I'm fine with that. Then, jarringly, something happens. After they're you know, in the middle of their road trip, you see a janitor... In a high school, and he's sweeping the floors and blah, 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 and then it goes back to the couple. So you're thinking, okay, what does this janitor have to do with anything? The first leap that I made, and I don't want to get into spoilers, but the first leap that I made was, is Jesse Plemons that janitor? Is this a, or, first and, thing and, could, and could this be a recollection? That was the first leap that I made. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell you whether or not that's true, but if people are watching the movie, that was the first thing that I I went to Lynn going. And Oklahoma is, uh, they're practicing Oklahoma. And he turns on the car radio 
and it's the soundtrack to Oklahoma. Which is ridiculous. Which is never on. Unless Ever. you have Sirius XM and Thank you're turning you. on On Broadway. So again, when you turn it on and you hear that, you're thinking, okay, what I'm watching is not real. When they yes, get even, to the, even in the 50s, they yeah. weren't playing the theme from when they Oklahoma get to, on the radio. When they get to the parents' house, um, the parents are played by David Thewlis, mm-hmm. uh, oh, Professor Lupin. Lupin from Harry Potter, and from wonderful Mike Lee film Naked. Incredible actor, and he's wonderful. But he is overshadowed, as is everybody in the entire cast, by the one, the only, Tony Collette as the mother. Um, what accent is she using? Unhinged is what I will say. This leads to, and I said this in my review, this leads to the most uncomfortable family dinner since the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say. Which I have, I have never really seen it, but I would compare it to the one on Breaking Bad with Jesse uh, sitting there with Brian. I thought of American History X as well <laughs> yeah. with Elliot Gould. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, his full spread. Or or the robot chicken version of what happens after Empire Strikes Back. Yes, yes, which is wonderful. Which is, I'd be honored if you'd join us. And then they do. And then they actually eat yeah, dinner. Yeah, they're like trying to eat dinner. <laughs> and so while you are in this realm, um, Jesse Buckley is walking around and uh, odd things begin to happen uh, where people call her Lucy. Then they call her Lucia. Then they call her Louisa. Then they call her Amy. And she, in, the, in the credits, she's young woman. She's young woman. Uh, like the protagonist and tenant. She looks out the window and mm-hmm. sees a field with their car. The field is completely open. And everything's fine. And snow is falling only on the car. Once again, as you're watching the movie, these, things are, real. these things are either going to annoy you. Like, what am I watching? Which I can okay. see a lot of people. Or if you're like me last night at 1 o'clock in the morning, you're thinking... This I is wonderful because this. This, mm-hmm. none of this is happening. So what is the actual story being told? Uh, I don't want to give away too much of what happened to that house. I, I want, I actually want to, but we're not a spoiler podcast. There's interesting things with time going forward and backward. Like the past present. Yes. The past and present. And, uh, and the one thing we haven't mentioned is something that I think will turn most viewers off. It reminded me of Richard Linkletter's films. Uh, Waking Life Ew. And, cartoons? A, and a Scanner Darkly. Not because of the cartoons. Both of those are rotoscoped cartoons. But what those movies have in common is uh, Richard Linkletter was doing philosophy on screen. And Waking Life is basically people talking about esoteric existential philosophy the entire time. That's what this movie is. It's okay. Jesse Plemons and Jesse Buckley nonstop going at one another about what it means to exist. Uh, at one point, Jesse Plemons says, you know, God never gives us more than we can handle. And Jesse Buckley says, well, he's a good egg that way. Oh. And I love that back and forth because, you know, obviously it's not true. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but so, so if you're not, again, if you're not down for a philosophical film for two hours and 50 minutes, that's what you get. Another thing is um, the characters absorb, well, actually his character, his character's named Jake. He's very uncomfortable all the time. It has Do they keep Stephen calling King. him Jake the whole time? Yeah. He, he is Jake. Yeah. I think they have, the through line of the movie. Yeah. yeah. They, have a, they have a very um, Stephen King quality to this in terms of there's this eeriness. Like uh, when people open a door or where's the dog? And then the dog comes in. And the then, dog is the most Lynchian <laughs> thing of the movie. I, I, Why I, does it start talking? And, I, well, <laughs> close. I find it hard to believe that this was in the book. I do kind of want to read the book. I know my wife wasn't completely bowled over by it, but 
anytime you see the dog that lives in their parents' house, it's shaking like it just came in from, you know, and it's being outside and sweat. Every time you see it, it's shaking. That's a very Lynchian thing. The only time you see the dog, it's shaking. So you think, is this the constant state of the dog? Again, telling the audience what you're seeing is not real. The through line of the movie is Jake. I think that is one switcheroo that I can spoil here is that you start with Jesse Buckley and you realize it's actually Jake's story. Right. Like Um, it's from her perspective and then it turns into his. Now on the car ride home, which is really bizarre because she has to get home. That's when it starts to get scary for me. I do think the last couple of moments are pretty frightening. Yeah. I mean, I know Rent-A-Pal was billed as a horror film, but... This one I've been thinking about since as a horror film. It's the movie well, it's was, more psychological horror. Yeah, it's more it's, just. It's but but it's creepy though the way it's shot. Like but everything you think that's going to happen doesn't happen. No, because like when she goes you down the predict, basement, you cannot predict this film. Oh, no. the basement! Oh, <laughs> the basement's horrifying. Now, yeah. now, yeah. did your wife say that she? understood what was going on when she read it yes i think that um the shift in protagonist kind of bothered her and the reveal was underwhelming for her okay now perhaps reading a what five six hundred page book i could see that Ugh. you know the rug being pulled out from under you in a movie though two hours i yeah, but I, gone girl does that too and gone both, girl does do it, that and we both love that book and yes. we both love that movie we saw that movie on our anniversary the year that it came out we love that movie that's weird i know but we love it and i, I love, love rosamund so pike much. so much she is so incredible she has a new actress. movie coming she yeah, should have i heard she and does it, her amy dunn best that's I what somebody heard said the new film is incredible and she was gonna be nominated again no but um i think that the, the book kind of upset her a little bit as far okay. as the reveal well, you should have her watch this and then have her on your show, even though she doesn't like being on your movie show. Perhaps what, I will. That is a good idea, Mr. I Cohen. know. What I like is somebody who has suffered from depression told me that he felt like the movie was really aimed at uh, people who deal with uh, depression and have, you know, this internal monologue in their head. I will say that you never really know where it's going and you think it's going to zig and it zags. So that's very intriguing. One of the. Are there things you didn't like about it? Well, I it be well, you know, my my theory is that you should be able to understand a movie first viewing, but okay. this one is very haunting. Yet it's very riveting, and I knew that I had to think about this to process it. So therefore, did you did you find it very confusing? And that's fine if you did. I I just well just because I felt like the pieces fell into place for me almost too early, and so <laughs> I, I thought, oh okay, that's well when okay when when there are some things that I thought would be, uh, they would come back to. Okay. But they don't really come back to it. Like, for instance, when they stop for ice cream. Yes. And that girl is, like, giving her signals. Yes. And then... Okay. Don't tell anything. I was going to say, that's a bit of a spoiler. I can tell you off the air what I thought that meant, because I do think they do follow up on that. I also think that the reveal monologue that she shares with him in the school at the end is maybe the best part of the movie uh, and made everything fall into place for me. But that's what I asked my wife about the next day. I said, Hey, did this happen? She goes, yep. And I'm going, okay, well that right. happened in the movie. Anyway, I loved it. I'm it's on my top 10 Already. best of the year. I, so I think it's going to be very much in awards dialogue. If you're going to go through April, will it still be in your top 10? I don't know what we're doing yet for that, so <laughs> I don't know. But but as of now, rent a pal, top ten worst. I'm thinking of anything as top ten best. That's what I will say. Well, uh, well, uh, one of the things I was gonna say okay. is there is a scene in the car on the way back because the the dinner. I mean, everything's just 
it, every it's just mind-boggling. I, I think the dinner is horrifying. Yeah, and so they're on their way home, and she recites verbatim Pauline Kael's review to A Woman Under the Influence. After you've seen him in his childhood uh, home having a book of Pauline Kael's reviews, next thing you know, in the car, she's almost becoming Pauline Kael with a cigarette and everything, even though she's never smoked the entire movie. Again, telling the audience this is a heightened reality. This is maybe mm-hmm. not happening. Well, so, a woman under influence wasn't that like late sixties? No, no, it was um, in the in the seventies. Okay, well and then it was Cassavetes. that means John Cassavetes. Well, that oh, it was seventy seventy four. It was um, Gina Rollins and, and yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and she should have won the Oscar. So seventy four. That means the movie has to take place pre Cats. Which would have been eighty three, maybe. So like some somewhere right somewhere around there, late seventies, early eighties. I would, I, yes, I would. Okay, say that. so um, we have to get going. But yeah. I wanted to mention one more film. Well, so, congratulations to Carl. Thank Thirty you. years. Thank you, Lynn, for inviting me here. I hope I was an okay guest. You're thank right. you to Wonderful. Tom Calhoun and Lori Mack. We love Carl. We are so proud of him. Carl, if I can make it seven more years, you'll then be there. We'll, I, we'll do I the will, same thing for you. That would be wonderful. And I just wanted to say, JC was going to call, but he was going to be on a boat this afternoon. Yes, JC's JC's in the Florida Florida Gulf. And so we had a whole list of names. We had Smash. We had a whole list of names. I thought Smash we, was coming. We had Ray Collier. We had all kinds of oh, names. Oh, Ray, I love Ray. Um, I want to mention this thing that's on uh, uh, PBS POV, Our Time Machine. It's a Chinese movie about an artist. He's an artist, but his father is a famous uh, operatic playwright and director, and his father is going senile, and he wants to collaborate with his father, so he makes a play oh, wow. about a father going having dementia or Alzheimer's, and they create, it's called Our Time Machine. Sure, to go back before And to that. go back and get the memories of his father. And it's done with puppets a la Lion King. But wow. it's like steampunk puppets. Oh, wow. And it takes place in Shanghai. All of this sounds amazing. And it's <laughs> it's really well done. I, I I'll, We'll talk about that further next week because we're out of time. But I do, I did like it. And I, it's a little too, even for a story about Alzheimer's and dementia, it's a little too tidy. <laughs> because... Oh, they! There are heartbreaking moments in this movie. He go the father goes to the doctor and said, "I'm trying to finish this book about uh, directing Chinese opera. I need some drugs just so I can do it." And the doctor says, "You're already taking those drugs." It's it's really it's heartbreaking. But oh, there there are, my God. and being a parent, you know these things. Yeah. So I'm going to recommend that. Nice. And we'll talk about it further next week. But Max, where can we find you, or sir? Please follow me on Twitter, at MaxOnMovies. And once again, congratulations to Carl, the intern. Thank you. My good friend and neighbor. Yes. I'm happy to know you, and the industry is better because you are in it. Thank you for saying so, sir. Lynn Venhouse, where can we find you, young lady? I'm on KTRS every Thursday night at in the 1030 half hour with Ray Hartman. And uh, you can find us on the KTRS has SoundCloud and Apple. So that's awesome. And then I have my own website, poplifestl.com. And uh, I am here and I'm in the Webster Kirkwood Times. And guess what? Yeah, big news. They're back. And the print print edition. We're having you on Carney next week. Uh, Print edition, September 25th. Yay. Yeah. 
My name is Carl the Intern Middleman. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I actually tweeted something out last week. What? I know it's been it's been a while. Uh, at underscore Carl the Intern. You can hear me on the on the Max on Movies wherever well, you. you can hear it, and you can hear me on the Intercom family of radio stations where I am employee of the month. This yeah, month. yay! But it was it was really weird. I thought, oh, that this is what they're doing for me. But no, I was actually nominated by our friend Frank Ladd, oh, who nice. said that. The station has gotten exponentially better since I came back. I agree with Frank. Oh, awesome. Frank and I switched jobs. Yes, it is so <laughs> weird. I helped you get a job. Yeah. And I helped Frank get a job. Yep. So I am the I am the job savior. Oh, <laughs> well, well thank it. you so much, right. Carl. And You're we welcome. appreciate all you do for us. And you make our show, our podcast it better. Makes it happen. Um, I will <laughs> say to Max, I really appreciated the unique vision of I'm thinking of anything oh, and how surreal it was. It's really fascinating how it surreal is. it is. A uh, quick it. mention, Cinema St. Louis starts the I Love Movie Trivia Night next of September 14th through like 17th. Five bucks. five bucks. Do you know who's playing it this week? My father. Really? Rick Sanborn. Oh. If he wanted to get me involved, I said, no, Lynn always wins this thing. I'm not going to do know. it. I know. But she she only won, she won if you twice see Rick Sanborn in there, he's going to do I it. I know. Hey, <laughs> I've got the target on my back. I've got the target on my back. I won three times that week, and I was the grand prize winner. But Jim Tudor also won. And Tom Stockman and Jim Batts, who are great they at trivia. They teaming did, up. They did not. No, they did not play. Are they teaming up now? I have no idea. They did not I'm play. I'm stirring the pot. They did <laughs> not play. But. Um, I didn't. I'm glad I didn't want all, all of it because it's just good to have everybody play. It's really fun. It's only a half hour. It's very fast. You cannot cheat, and <laughs> they have great prizes. I still have all these wonderful prizes that I've got to get that to. You've not used, you know, because it's like gift certificates. Well, it's pandemic and, time. Yeah, and stuff. And I got a book certificate to Left Bank Books, and I get a bowling party at Pin Up Bowl. But we haven't done that yet. But, but you know, yeah, live entertainment is not a thing currently. And if you miss, if you miss live theater, uh, the Black Rep was going to start their 30, uh, 43rd season Friday night, but instead they have a Zoom production called Coconut Cake. It's free. Go to the Black Rep site. Get it. Tonight's the last night for it. And I highly recommend it if you miss theater. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Carl. Thank Here's you. to another 30 years. Woo-hoo.